Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Bruni, although this time we're in a video format for the first time, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We had to make some some audibles after Zoom wasn't uh, cooperating with us, and so here we are um, doing this thing a little video and podcast style, so y'all can see uh, see our faces as we talk about this wonderful um men's basketball team man i mean heck of a weekend of games we'll break it all down from you know a close win over marshall to a game over western kentucky that ended up close but maybe wasn't quite as close as the final score indicated but i mean at the end of the day north texas comes out with two road wins on i mean what jj murray told me was what they feel is the toughest road trip in conference usa you know playing at marshall at western kentucky first win at Western in over 10 years, which is just crazy to think about. Um, but they found ways to get it done in both, man. So I guess I'll start yeah. with just what were your overall thoughts on, I guess we can start with the Marshall game. The, the Marshall game, I was about to say, the Marshall game feels like a blur to me at this point because <laughs> you know, because of the Western win. Uh, yeah. But I, I obviously I watched both of them and the Marshall one. So North Texas goes up 35, 27 and halftime. And then the second half Marshall makes their push, right? Marshall, comes out. I think they led with about what, eight, nine minutes left in the game and back and forth, back and forth. I did not, I wasn't sure North Texas was going to do it. Um, Marshall looked like they heated up. It's Tavian Kinsey, man, for the struggles that he's had this year, the talent is obvious for anybody oh, who watches him. I mean, there's so a reason good. why he was supposed to be drafted last year and then came back and uh, to try to raise his stock, whether he's done that or not, done that or not, I don't know, but the talent is just ridiculous. And while last year, you know, they had, you know, James Reese to put on him a lot this year, they don't have that obvious matchup for him. You know, Thomas Bell is probably the best matchup for him, but if you put one of the guards on him, it's not, they're not big enough. Ruben was on him a lot as well. Uh, and while he's six, five still, uh, Kinsey was just able to elevate and just hit shots right over the top of him. So, that's where it started, and then you know Marshall, they're they're gonna get a lot of shots up, and they ended up doing that. And North Texas hit one of those offensive lulls, but then uh, they just pulled it out at the end. So I was, I was, I don't want to say I was impressed because I thought they should have won that game convincingly, but it was good to get a road win like that because is is very much a game they could have lost. No, I, I agree with that. And I think that was one of the things I got a chance to talk with McCasland after the game. And he said they were going to need to play a lot better, which I feel like when we look to the Western game, they definitely elevated their game a bit for that one. But I mean, yeah, anytime you can get a road win like that in Conference USA against a team with a player like Kinsey, I think you, you can't be too upset about that. And I was checking in on when their last lead was in the game. They had a couple down the stretch, but the last one I found was 448 to go in the game after Kinsey hit uh, one of his many mid-range jumpers. I think at one point he had nine or 10 straight for them uh, down the stretch there before UNT sort of pulled away. Um, but man, I mean, my biggest takeaway from this one was just a boo. I mean, the game of his life, maybe, man, like just <laughs> so good from him in this one. I think what, 22 points and 11 rebounds, both were career highs. I mean, he was just getting whatever he wanted at the basket and if it weren't for that wild sequence where he ends up picking up, I think a regular foul and a technical foul or a flagrant and a technical, which got him to four fouls. If it weren't for that, his stats might've looked even better. Yeah. Uh, he was, um, Marshall is not an overly 
big team. They're not an overly physical team. They're basically like the Marshals of old, except without Jared West and like just less physical and less intimidating than those other teams. So, so they faltered yeah. off here a bit. And they're what um, they were zero and three in conference play, and they just lost to, to Rice as well. So they're zero and four in conference play now at this point. So, but yeah, Abu. We'll talk about with the Western game too. I thought he was great in the Western game as well. I thought he yeah. just had an, a wonderful weekend, and he's been good this entire season. There hasn't been a point where I've been like, "Oh, Abu's you know struggling or Abu's not not doing well." I think he's been fine the entire season, but for him to give them that reliable post scoring that Zach gave them last year is a big, big key for this offense because we know how like the offense can start to struggle at times. No, a hundred percent. And that was one of the things that, I mean, he steps up in that game where Tyler Perry only ends up with 12 points on three of seven, you know, Thomas goes for 10 on four of 11 Drez goes for 10 on four of nine. Like nobody else really had the big game. And so they just fed a boo and he was able to step up and be that guy. Which, I mean, if you want to look at both of the games a little bit, I feel like that was kind of the thing that impressed me more about this weekend was the fact that neither game was a really good shooting night from Tyler Perry. He found other ways to impact the game, but North Texas was able to find ways to really have other guys step up when they needed to. I mean, we'll mention him more, but I mean, just a huge weekend from J.J. Murray stepping up with the scoring as well and, you know, really delivering when they needed some offense from somewhere else too. I mean, what what did we say last podcast? Last podcast, I I was like, JJ Murray can't come out here and score zero points and play twenty two minutes on on this team. Uh, JJ and Thomas were the two guys. Last podcast, we were both like, you need something out of them. Like, yeah. we knew Tyler and Drez can score the ball, and Abu can score the ball in, in in spurts, but Thomas and JJ did not look comfortable against UAB um, at all. And so moving forward, we were like okay, how are they going to manufacture offense with, with those two struggling? And it turns out they just both started hitting threes this weekend. They both decided to shoot, take, and make a bunch of shots from the perimeter. Uh, and JJ kept doing what he do, does on the defensive side of the ball well. And so that that's the bit, that's the biggest key for me. Mo- moving, uh, Just taking away from this whole weekend, we can start to get into Western, but um, – JJ and Thomas scoring the ball is what separates this team from other teams in Conference USA. If they're not scoring the ball, they're not beating Marshall. They're not beating really a lot of teams in Conference USA. We saw them struggle with the middle. So th- th- it's, that's just kind of what this team is at this point. They need all hands on deck. No, I agree. And I mean, just piggybacking off of that, especially now that they're down to a seven man rotation with no Maya and I mean, McCasland, we we got a chance to talk with him before the um, games this week, and he talked about, you know, taking a look at several guys to fill up those, like, six, seven minutes a game that Jemiah Simmons was playing. But, I mean, they just went to a seven-man rotation in both of these games. And, I mean, even, I believe the Marshall game it was, I think Drez had, like, 37 minutes or something like that. Like, guys played a ton. Um, let's see. I'll find the score box score here. But, yeah, yeah I mean – it's not ideal going through conference play. And I think against some of the lesser teams in conference USA, they might be able to get away with playing another guy or two. Maybe you get a Bryce Zephyr out there as a small four next to Thomas or find a way to mix and match some of those guys in there to fill up a little bit of the minutes. But I mean, if you have the guys in there being able to step up and score the way you need them to, I mean, 
at the end of the day, that's going to win you some good games in conference. So. Hell, last podcast I was on here saying they need to play more, so I can't go back on that now. At this, I, I, this is this is the harder conference, man. It's it's not going to get easier. They got to, especially a stretch like this. You got to win these games if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna win the conference. Uh, so I, I think we're gonna see this this type of minutes distribution moving forward. Like you said, we we might see a Bryce Zephyr or a Amir Wright or whoever else slide in there just take some some small forward power forward minutes but other than that l- let's talk about the western game I, uh you can give your overall thoughts on the western game and just kind of the well the the, the general the generalities of it first for sure well and one last thing i did want to mention on the marshall game before we get to that was just the offensive rebounding in the first half was really what i think allowed north texas to open everything up against marshall because marshall went to his own defense to try and really stymie them on the offensive side and then I mean, North Texas just got seemed like an offensive board every single possession, and that's really what allowed them to hit shots and get Marshall out of that zone. But they if you want to say anything on that, you can't. They should have been up more by more than eight at halftime. They yeah. they kicked Marshall's butts, like phys- physically and just the way they approached the game. And to only be up eight was kind of disappointing, but um, they obviously – and it hurt them in the second half, obviously, but they ended up pulling out the win, so I'm cool with it. No, 100%. And then, man, this Western game, it was, I don't know, it was strange, I guess. I mean, obviously, like I said, first win at Western since 2010, uh, which is kind of crazy. I think they had lost four straight at Western, and they had lost 11 in a row previously to Western before now that they've won three in a row, uh, dating back to the last couple years. So big streak that they've broken up and gotten going in the right direction against Western. But, I mean... UNT really controlled most of this game. If you look at the stats, they led for 32 minutes and 21 seconds of the game. And it never, after they were able to sort of get over the early struggles a little bit, I think Western took a little bit of a lead early. After that, it felt like UNT was able to control it the rest of the way, even though Western, you know, sort of made it interesting late, but it never felt like they were going to be able to fully get back into it. Yeah, so for me, watching this game after the fact, I obviously knew North Texas had won, so it's hard for me to get the ebbs and flows of like momentum since I'm like, all right, North Texas is going to pull away at some point here. And so when they did pull away late in the first half to kind of get that 10-point lead that I think they cut to, 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 to seven going to half, it felt like from that from that point on, Western had zero answers for anything North Texas did. Like, yeah, first, fifth, let's say the first ten minutes of the game when they go went back and forth, back and forth. Both teams were making shots. It felt like North Texas was just hanging on for a bit. Like, there's no way they can keep shooting this well from three. And then once North Texas, once Western started missing a couple shots and North Texas defense really settled in, it felt like North Texas was in the driver's seat completely like there was nothing western did that scared north texas on either side of the ball and one of my main notes was western kentucky's defense is far less intimidating than it has been in years past even though you do have uh seven foot five sharp in the middle i mean bassy was just a different monster there and it showed obviously sharp sharp is going to block 10 shots a game whatever he's going to do it yeah. But Bassey's impact on every single shot that was taken was just different last year. And it's because he didn't jump at every single pump fake the way Sharp does. And he's a little more, he was a little more disciplined. I mean, he was an NBA caliber player 
right? Like he yeah. was that good. So Bassey was a little was better defensively than Sharp is. And then, I mean, how many minutes did Josh Anderson play? He played twenty eight. He comes off the bench now. He's it feels like he's in a significantly reduced role. Yeah, uh, they have a lot of newcomers in here. I mean, Cameron Justice isn't a good good defender. Luke Frampton's not a good defender. Uh, Davion McKnight's fine, but it's like there's just none of that athleticism, athletic versatility that they've had in years past where you're just like, man, I mean, these guys are athletic. They're going to block shots and everything. I mean, outside of Sharps, five blocks, they had one block as a team. So, yeah, I, I just look at this team, Western team, as being significantly less intimidating defensively. And then offensively, they don't have Bassey. You don't have Tavion Hollingsworth anymore. And while they I, they're a better three-point shooting team than what they shot yeah, on Saturday – yeah, they're still that's kind of like all they have at this point, right? Like if Frampton and Justice don't make threes, where are they getting uh, significant contributions from? Like Davion McKnight had a great night, 11 of 18. He was like eight of 10 at one point. Yeah, uh, but a lot of those were on like tough twos. So where does the offense come from if it's not McKnight's middies and Sharp's dunks? If you know, so I thought North Texas was in complete control. The defense dictated the game and Western just kind of looked outmatched. No, I would tend to agree. And yeah, I mean, a couple big shots late where JJ hits a three ball with like five or six yeah. minutes left, something like that. Ruben gets a putback layup. And then after that Ruben put back, I was like, okay, this one's pretty much over by this point. Western finally comes around and hits a couple threes, which that was the crazy thing I saw. They actually were in jeopardy of losing a 1,085 game streak of making at least one three pointer. And UNT had them until like, I think 350 left in the game was when they finally hit one, but that would have been another crazy thing to see. And yeah, I mean, if Western's not hitting threes, there's just not a lot of ways they can go. Um, especially once UNT tightened up on the dribble drives that were kind of springing sharp open for the little yep. lob dunks. Once they tightened up on that, it really, it really made it tough for that offense to get anything out of Davion McKnight, just hitting tough mid range jumpers, which I mean, in terms of just guys that are fun to watch basketball, just from a personal level, like Tavion Kinsey and Davion McKnight are just fun guys to watch Very play good, basketball, yeah. man. Like you don't see a lot of guys that just shoot the mid range jumper as much and as well as these guys do. No, definitely. McKnight, if, if McKnight keeps playing this well and Western, you know, wins games in conference USA, he'll be in the mix for first team all conference. Um, no doubt in my mind. Uh, I want to talk about Abu again because even though he shot five of ten from the field, ten points, only five boards, he was active, man. He was active yeah. on both ends. He was physical. He was better than Sharp. Like, yeah, Sharp put down four dunks. He was four for four from four for four from the field. Abu was better. Abu was the better big, and it made a significant difference in not only uh, attacking like Western when they went zone, but also when sharp was out of the game for the seven minutes he was out the game abu feasted and then it forced them to play sharp and it forced sharp to be involved in every single action every single play and i thought attacking him was a big piece in kind of breaking down western kentucky well yeah and to me that's where guy thomas bell and tyler perry really did a great job because like you said sharp jumps on pretty much every pump fake and thomas in particular really did a good job of going to the basket getting an up fake and then dumping it off to a boo or dumping it off to somebody else cutting to the basket where they were just able to get an easy layup. So I thought, I agree. 
once they were able to get sharp, you know, jumping at inopportune times or getting him out of position, that's when they were able to just get easy baskets and kind of feast on the inside. And then another guy who really had a night that, I mean, eight points isn't a ton, but like eight points from Aaron Scott was a lot in this one, yeah. especially knocking down those two threes because, I mean, Sharp was just sagged off of him in the paint. They were going to basically saying, hey, you can take these shots. And he goes three for three and hits every shot that he takes out there. I mean, that was big production. Well, that was another way North Texas attacked him because when Abu was out the game, right? So let's say Abu and Sharp played 24 minutes together, like on the court together. Those other 16 minutes, if if Sharp was on the court and Abu wasn't, they just went small, right? Yeah. With Aaron Scott and and uh, Thomas. And the difference today was those two, Thomas and Aaron Scott, combined to go five of seven from three. I'm not sure this game goes as smoothly if those guys go two of seven from three instead of five of seven. Oh, 100%. So that, that's, that's the thing with this team is I think it's just it's really going to come down to J.J. and Thomas and now maybe even Aaron Scott. Like if those three combine to shoot like 40-plus percent in a basketball, in a, from three in a game, like if they go combine to go four of ten from three, this team is going to win a lot of games. If they go one of ten from three – they're going to lose. So um, yeah. we'll, we'll see if how that sustainability pans out. But for them, for Thomas and JJ and now Aaron Scott to do that this weekend on the road is a really good sign. And also the looks they got were mm. really, really positive. Because like you said, they got in the paint and they created on the inside. But they got in the paint every time and kicked it out for three. The threes were really generated from their uh, paint touches and how they were able to get the ball downhill. So, I, I mean... Graham McCaslin seems like he has Western Kentucky's number at this point. Even yeah. when they weren't winning back in like 2017, 2018, they were still really close with a team that had way more talent than them. So maybe, maybe, maybe Grant just has it figured out when it comes to Western Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, it kind of seems that way, man. Cause yeah, that's three wins in a row over Western. This one didn't take overtime, which was, I mean, interesting to see i definitely wouldn't have minded seeing another overtime game after the crazy one me and you right. got to witness at last year's conference usa tournament but i mean that game was just another animal all itself um yeah i did want to get on the defensive side because you mentioned you know mccaslin sort of having western's number i think that whole staff has western's number to be honest with you because i asked mccaslin about a post game thomas bell just seemed like he knew what Western was going to do on offense sometimes before they even knew what they were going to do. Like he'd jump in passing lanes and just take away stuff when it wasn't, I mean, when it looked like it was going to be there, he'd be there for key block shots at times. He had that big block on Kenzie late in the Marshall game too. Like his defense is just unreal for this team when they don't have him on the court. I mean, it's night and day. Yeah. The the defense side of the ball is something I wrote in my notes as well. Cause like I've obviously talked about, the team being different when he makes threes, but him, his defensive intensity and his rebounding is something that's always been there the past, you know, two years. We knew, we know yeah. what Thomas Bell is. And so that's nothing new, but when you're looking at this conference as a whole, there's not too many, more, there's not too many players that impact the game like Thomas. And if he's making shots, he is one of the five best players in the conference by a pretty significant margin. So I I'm comfortable. I, I feel a lot better about this team this week. And I think a lot of it has to do with them just making shots, yeah. which sounds easy, but it is a big step forward because like I said, if they don't make shots at the clip that they, sh if they shoot the ball worse in either one of these games, 
by 5%, we're looking at very different games. And we're looking at maybe losing to Marshall, maybe barely beating Western. Instead, they beat Marshall and they comfortably beat Western Kentucky because they shot the ball well. And that's a big development because now I think we talked about it before. Uh, I don't, I think they, I mean, their three point percentage has been going up basically the entire season. It's just continuing to climb, climb, climb. Uh, it's at 34.4% now on the year. Yeah. It was at like 31 or something like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's been going up significantly and that's, that's huge. That's huge. Cause that's, we just talked about in the last podcast. It's like, can the offense get to the range where it was in the past two years? Well, I think I said it was 150, somewhere around there, 140s. Something like that. Yeah. Range. Um, last podcast. Well, it's at 133 now, according to Kimpom. So if they can get close to 100, the defense is ranked 37th in the country, which is absolutely <laughs> absurd. Last year was 48th, and this year is 37th. And you've lost James Reese, and you've gotten better on defense somehow. Yeah, I, I mean, you lose James Reese and Zach Simmons, yeah. who are two key parts of that defense, and somehow you become better defensively. I mean, it's just unfair. Despite starting J.J. Murray, who's like – six feet tall and then <laughs> and bringing Tyler Perry off the bench who's six feet tall on a good day. It's like you have a boo over there who's a sophomore. I mean, it's, it is, it's a masterful job. I really wish they would have got one of those non-conference wins mm. uh, over any of the Buffalo or Miami. If they got one of those, we'd be having a very, very interesting conversation about this team. Uh, being right there with UAB in terms of getting an automatic bid at some point. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they'd be right in that mix for an at-large bid, and they might still have a chance to sneak in there, but it's going to take <laughs> a heck of a lot in conference play. Like, I feel like they're going to have to beat everybody the rest of the way, pretty much. Maybe they can drop one to Louisiana Tech, but and maybe maybe the other game to UAB, but like it, they're going to have to basically beat everybody in conference to have a chance at yeah. that, I would think. No, they're, they're going to have to. Exactly. I think they have to go, they have to win all but one pretty much in the rest of the conference play. And then, you know, go down and to the conference championship game with to you against UAB. And maybe they both get in at that point, but uh, yeah. still West. I mean, Louisiana tech is right there. North Texas is ranked 72nd Kim Pong. Louisiana tech is 74. Mm. I know a lot of people say that uh, use the net a lot more because that's kind of what the selection committee uses. I, I use Kim Pong. I think it's, far more accurate uh the net is just has uh has some teams just different places where i wouldn't exactly put them um, yeah like when we talked about middle tennessee the last time we were on and they yeah. were way higher than they should be yeah and so uh also fun fun update in conference usa utsa is now down to 324th in the <laughs> country absolutely absurd 324 for a conference USA school, I, th I thought it was bad when they were like 290. They are now 324th after losing to like Old Dominion by 30. And uh, yeah, and Charlotte by like nine, which I actually yeah. caught some of that game. And like Charlotte looked bad in that game, but UTSA just has nothing. Like, yeah. I don't I don't understand how they can be that bad at basketball. I really 324 don't. 324 out of 358. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. So, but anyways... Uh, yeah, big picture wise, uh, I, I feel good about North Texas moving forward. I think they are right there. I mean, it's UAB, La Tech, and North Texas at this point for me. And that is someone who had Western Kentucky 
in the mix as well. I can now trim them out and I can squarely look at these three in terms of the conference championship race. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, Western's obviously going to be a dangerous team come tournament time yeah. still because anything can happen in any of those kind of games. But yeah, if you want to look at sort of the tiers, I agree. I think it's a top three and then Western and then you look at everybody else. Yeah, so uh, who does North Texas have this week? Uh, they've got Charlotte because I'm excited. I get to see Jameer Young play in person. That could be interesting. Very good. Um, old, and then Old Dominion. And then Old Dominion. So they've got some interesting pieces that's, as well. That's tough, actually. Those are both yeah. interesting matchups. Uh, we'll see. If North Texas shoots the ball well, they'll be fine. But uh, Old Dominion especially is a good uh, good defense. So we'll see. Let me see where they rank. Yeah. Well, and while you're looking that up, I was going to say one of the other things I wanted to touch on is they're going to need, I think, a little more offense out of Ruben still. Like, if if he's going to continue to take shots, he's going to have to start hitting a little more. He went four points on two of seven against Marshall, where he didn't really have a lot of impact elsewhere. Like, he played 34 minutes, but he gets three boards, one assist. You know, you're getting a lot of the stuff out of a point guard that you would expect from other places to me. And then you look at his game against Western Kentucky and he goes six points on two of seven, one of five from deep. I mean, four assists in that one, which is better, certainly. But they're going to need more from him, I have a feeling, because like I said, even after the Marshall game, I don't think you're going to be able to count on JJ or Abu going close to season high numbers every single time out. So you're going to need more from Ruben. And obviously, Drez going just three points against Western is a little concerning, but to me, that was more a product of him just getting the three early fouls and that kind of took him out of his rhythm the rest of the yeah. game. I'm not as concerned about Drez as I am about Ruben, but they're, they're going to need Ruben to hit a few more shots. That's crazy. If you look at like the Western box score, just how like from the field, North Te- so from two, North Texas shot 13 of 30. Mm. And from three, they shot 10 to 23. It's like the three-point line just really saved them there. Yeah, because uh, you're right. Tyler Perry goes two of ten from the field. Uh, Drez goes one of five. Ruben goes two of seven. But Thomas, Abu, and JJ and Aaron Scott kind of saved the day for for them. Yep. So I'm I'm feeling good about this team moving forward. We'll no, see I am, and that's the thing that I was touching on earlier is just I mean, even games like this where you're having the usual guys that you would expect to score not have that great of games, they're still finding ways to win these games, which is really the biggest thing. And as you said, kind of the most impressive thing and the thing that does make you feel good going forward because there's a lot of teams where you don't have a good night from your best player or some of your best players. And they just have no shot to win it. But the way North Texas plays, it seems like they always have a chance to win it as long as they can hit just enough shots to get it done because of how good that defense is. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm still, let's see, if I had to real quick, I mean, before we wrap it up, they are 4-1 in conference right now with an uh, 18-game schedule. I mean, I still, if they can go 13-5, and that's nine and three the rest of no nine and four the rest of the way. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, they, I wish they played UTS. Oh, they do play UTSA twice. Yes. Yeah, that should be. I mean, Southern Miss twice, UTSA <laughs> twice. Look, Southern Miss twice and UTSA twice. That's four. Yeah. I'm not going to automatically guarantee a Rice win, even though I probably should. That's five. Let's say let's say they beat Rice. That's five. And I mean, you would think they should beat UTEP. I guess UTEP's a little more threatening, but they should beat UTEP. 
let's see where like where does Kim Palm have UTEP? I'm actually curious because do they have them above Rice? I don't think so. I wouldn't think so. They haven't been terribly Rice, impressive. Rice is 165, UTEP's 168. But yeah, UTEP just lost um they lost to Charlotte and then they barely beat Old Dominion in old overtime. Well, they pulled away in overtime. So yeah, so I mean you look at those four, those four games, and then the Rice. UTEP twice. That's seven games where North Texas is going to be a significant favorite. Yeah. Out of the last, what did I say? Out of the last um, uh, 13. Seven out of the last 13, North Texas is going to be a significant favorite. So you take care of six or seven of those. I mean, UAB lost to Rice. UAB struggled in the first half against FIU, and FIU is god awful. Man, North Texas doesn't play FIU. That's a shame. <laughs> I guess you can't have it that easy. Oh, man, I just, the bottom of Conference USA has just really just tanked. It really I don't has. know what happened to the last those three teams. And as I was talking, UTSA just dropped 325th in the country. So there's your your UTSA update for the day. Well, but, and I, um, I tell you what else looks bad for UAB is they get Louisiana Tech on the road and Western on the road. Those are really tough games, especially the Louisiana Tech one in Ruston. You get Western in Bowling Green, which is always a tough one. Then yeah. they get Marshall on the road, too. Like, the schedule's doing them no favors. They get La Tech at home to end the season, but, I mean, it, it's a lot of tough games still on the schedule for UAB to, you know, keep up their pace. Yeah. And, I mean, on the flip side, some tough ones for Louisiana Tech probably, too. So, it's going to be interesting to see how the top three in the West shakes out because that's probably – I mean, realistically, that's the three best teams in the conference all in the same division. So it's going to be a bloodbath to the end. Yeah, uh, LaTeX 5-0. They have... So, I mean, LaTeX and UAB play twice yeah. at this point. North Texas only plays LaTeX once. Is that correct? No, they play that twice, too. Yeah, they've got them twice. Yeah, because everybody in the division, they play once. Or twice. Okay. Yeah, it'll sort itself out. North Texas just... If they if North Texas can take care of business at home against Charlotte and Old Dominion, which I think is tougher than people might think, I think oh definitely there's a real shot Old Dominion or or Charlotte maybe catch them off guard on one of these two. But if they if they can take care of these two, then you got Southern Miss, you get those three, they're seven and one, and you go from there. So it's big, big, big. It is for, for North Texas here, and it's definitely. I mean. I saw, I think it was Tony D'Souza tweeted about it, but I mean, it just continues to sort of amaze me. I can understand why North Texas was picked six in the preseason poll, but like, I mean, I, I don't even, I guess they've been exceeding expectations to me just compared to what I would have thought preseason given all the turnover they have and everything. But I mean, man, they, they've looked so much better than a lot of people thought, and they've definitely looked better than I had thought they would have been from the jump here, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, UAB, obvious. Western, sure. Uh, LaTeX, obvious. And then after that, I think it was it was ODU and... And Marshall, maybe? Yeah, and Marshall. Those are the other two. And I'm... I'm I don't know. Those two, I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't see that. But yeah, four to four, I would have been fine with. Six is just kind of crazy, but especially for a team that just won back-to-back conference championships. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, no, nothing to nothing but a bulletin board material now at this point, and stuff that broadcasters bring up every single time where Texas plays. Oh man, just oh, this team was pick six. Well, they're outperforming that, 
Yeah. So like a bingo card. You can just take it <laughs> to the bank every single time. Like, yep, there it is. Check it off. Yeah, that and how methodical their offense is, how much they use the shot clock. <laughs> they I are mean, one of the time. slowest teams in the country. You just can't speed them up. <laughs> like, like, there you go. Got that yeah, one I mean, done. it's like, it, it feels like the similar deal to, I don't remember which game it was for the football, but they, they kept calling it the NASCAR offense for UNT. And like, it, it feels like that same kind of a deal. That's just, you know, what UNT is going to get basketball wise at this point is like, oh, they're the methodical team. Their defense is great. You know, all this stuff, just yeah. all the basic surface level stuff that you can get, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we, we should, ju- we should just call a game. Honestly, John. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Call us up stadium. If you need anybody next time. All right, um, I'm 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 good though. Let's see if yeah. the Cowboys are winning. But while you wrap it up, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. That's what I was going to check. Actually, was the zero score. zero 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 still? Yeah, two two minutes almost into the game here. San Fran with the ball. Yeah, it's like two minutes and thirty five seconds in now. So we'll see if the Cowboys can pull one out. I don't really have a rooting interest in that one, which I know might come to the, the dismay of some North Texas fans. But I'm not a Cowboys fan. Didn't grow up in the area. Don't hate them either. So. We'll see if they can pull out a win. I'll be rooting for you guys to have some happiness. There you go. Yes, finally. I wish I can get my pin it. I have a Cowboys pin over there, but not, <laughs> not behind me. So, yeah, go All Cowboys. Right. I guess that's pretty much it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to our first video podcast of the season. Maybe we'll do a few more of these as it goes on if Zoom continues to be uncooperative. But uh, at any rate, you know, follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I think you'll be able to check this one out on YouTube as well. Um, follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247. Follow Matthew at MatthewBurney underscore. Follow me at JohnFieldZero. And we'll catch you on the next one.